politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow taxpayers, non-illegal alien American citizens to the Conservative Review podcast. This is Daniel Horowitz back in the house after a quick vacation yesterday. Well, it wasn't exactly a vacation, but it was Yom Kippur, the holiest day on the Jewish calendar. So I was at a commission back today and uh, nothing has changed. It's uh, Thursday, October 10th, and the entire media is still talking about Syria as if it's our border. Now, today we are going to discuss a bunch of cases. I'm going to be doing a lot of reading today just because I think there's a certain effect to reading some of these stories of how we have the gruesomeness of Syria in our country that we brought in, and yet nobody seems to care. So suddenly the Kurds are the most important people. As we noted on our show with Colonel Dan Steiner, you can't look at Syria as one-dimensional, like Turkish bad guys, Kurdish good guys, Trump feeding the good guys to the bad guys. No, there's Russia, there's Hezbollah, there's Assad, there's Iran, and they're all fighting each other. And this is actually working out good. Yes, you're seeing stories about Turkey coming in there, but watch carefully how much are they actually successfully advancing. You're seeing stories now with Russia and Iran getting very upset. Iran is training militias to fight them now. Look, why should we get in the way of that? Now, with that said, as I've noted, I haven't been happy with this administration's posture against Erdogan uh, really since 2017. Um, I think he has exposed himself to a lot of these attacks. Oh, you're only doing this because you have some sort of arrangement with, with, with Erdogan. You got Giuliani, all of his uh, private associations and everything. So yeah, I mean, that's a problem. Um, I have an article out today showing how pulling out of Syria, meaning the premise that we have no business in Syria, is not mutually exclusive to taking a tough line against Erdogan. And in fact, here's how we go and do it. So I have an outline of what to do. And really, that's what we're about here on this program. I don't like just criticizing. It's very easy. Oh, something needs to be done about this. Just virtue signal versus identifying what is a redressable policy through public policy? What is something that is the responsibility of our government? And what is something we can do? Now, I can't solve the Syrian civil war. I don't have a solution for that, nor do we need to solve that. But what I'm disturbed by is that suddenly all these people, and by the way, it's so cute to watch the media and the Kurds, they, they couldn't care less about the Kurds. When Obama was trashing them, couldn't care less. Um, Erdogan, again, see, this is what bothers me about the Trump administration. If I were Trump, I would use this as a time to go after Erdogan's assets in America, to go after all these Muslim Brotherhood organizations like CARE and ICNA and ISNA that are loved by our media. Hey, well, they're getting funding from Erdogan. That's how you trap them. This is just what bothers me that Trump will sometimes do something that broadly we agree with, but then it doesn't have the accompanying accoutrements of the other policies that I think would make it more defensible, more um, and put the other side on defense. But 
you know, I don't want to, we spent really two days so far discussing this and, you know, we'll, we'll continue discussing some other avenues as this, as this unfolds, but I want to kind of pivot off of it to talk about our border. Maybe we need to call our border Syria and the people um, on the other side of it or the American people, the Kurds, and suddenly everyone will care. So Mitt Romney, Marco Rubio, I mean, this is like the Super Bowl for them. Syria, oh my gosh. And, and meanwhile, every five minutes, I'm not joking. So I go away for a day and then there's a backlog of these cases. Every five minutes, there's another gruesome crime committed by an illegal alien that of the fraction of crimes that I discover. And there's no discussion over it. And these crimes are 100% avoidable. 100% avoidable. Every one of them. And what I want to note is that it's not just random crime. We are bringing in a pattern of behavior, this cartel gang style behavior. Yes, I know we've always had gangs in America. We know that. But there's a certain style of these transnational gangs that bring bring with it a particular set of gruesomeness, a modus operandi that we didn't have here, nor do we need to deal with it. It should be out of the country. Your castle, your house is your castle. Your borders, your sovereignty, that is your country. Now, like any family is going to have issues. You know, you're going to have internal problems. But what you certainly don't want to bring in are external problems. And, and this is why we say so often it's important to document where certain types of crimes are coming from. Is that inherent in our society or is that a recently imported external problem? And so much of this is being brought in. And yet there's no impetus from any Republican, not one. In leadership, Mitch McConnell, John Cornyn, Kevin McCarthy, to hold a press conference, and especially Senate Republicans who control the floor business, to push legislation on sanctuaries, to push legislation on the border, more proper resources with interdiction at the border, closing this gang loophole that brings in Central American teenagers that just flood our country with all sorts of things. So... The ICE office in Seattle sent me the following case. Let me first read to you about what happened in April, April 3rd. Now, um, you'll see why I'm talking about it now. King County prosecutors say three men and a teenage boy lured a man to Bellevue's Goldsmith Park. This is in King County, right? Where he was ambushed, pistol, pistol whipped, and fatally shot over photos he'd taken of his girlfriend flashing gang signs. And they go on to list these people, and they're, you know, lured into this uh, park, this luring into parks. You know, parks are places where we take our families. And I'm going to get to another one in a minute. And more and more, see, let, let's see how to say this nicely. I think in America we tend to know inherently where the bad neighborhoods are. You know where to stay away. But what this illegal immigration has done is they're going everywhere. They're going to rural parks. They're going to rural neighborhoods, suburban neighborhoods. It's not just like inner cities that you know to stay away from. So th this is a very big threat 
to every corner of our of our um, country. Now, the ringleader here was a guy named Carlos Daniel Carrillo Carrillo Lopez. Carrillo Lopez was the guy that ambushed him um, and, and and did did the killing. It appears he had help. Um, well, they finally caught the guy. Now you're going to see in a minute he was caught multiple times before, but he was arrested on murder last week. You would have never known this, but I got it from ICE. Um, to be fair, just full disclosure, Washington Times actually already had the article out yesterday. I got it on Tuesday, but I was running out, um, you know, for the Jewish holiday, so I didn't have time to put out an article until today on this. Um, so I don't want to you know, steal the Washington Times thunder, but I, I did, I, I actually got it before. Um, uh, cause otherwise usually I'll, I'll cite the first outlet that reports on it, even if I got it independently, but, but I, I believe I got this first. So anyway, here's what I got from them. It turns out that this dude was a known gang member who was resettled as an unaccompanied alien minor. Remember we talked about Lankford and all these pseudo-evangelical Republicans who want to show how compassionate they are, and they say we're not bringing bringing in enough refugees. And I noted one of the many points I made is that they're forgetting that we're bringing in Central American teens as refugees. They're resettled under the Office of Refugee Resettlement, and basically this guy had, was a member of the Crossroads Locos Thirteen gang resettled as an uncompanied minor and um he was a, a encountered by border patrol april 15 2015 in arizona and he was let go with it to a sponsor in texas i'll bet you anything that sponsor was an illegal alien and by the way people who sponsor these dirtbag murderer gang members themselves now get amnesty Right. That, that is that is a law that your Republican Congress passed in February and Trump signed into law. They get amnesty. You can't deport the sponsor now. Anyway, so that's on the federal policy. Once again, we see this UAC culture. These teens that we're treating as refugees and they are the most violent people around. This is see, we, we, we talk a lot about the border. What's not being done in the media is tracing it back to all of the individual communities. And certainly you're seeing this in, um, in, uh, in places like King County, which is just a cesspool. So here's the timeline. So this murder happened on April 3rd of this year. There were numerous times he was caught before and after. Now, I don't have the... Um, the details of what he was arrested each time. But could you imagine having a gang murderer in your hands arrested and they'd let him go because no one serves any time. Everyone gets out on bail. Oh, and also, um, even, even after ICE put detainer on him, they, they ignored it. And right now he's 19, but at the time he was a minor. On March 15th, 2019, so that was just three weeks before the incident, um, Bellevue, what is it called? Um, uh, yeah, Be Bellevue Police, this is in King County, arrested 
uh, Carilla Lopez and booked him on local charges. March 18, three days later, um, ICE put a detainer on. They let him out at some unknown date, didn't honor it. April 4th, he was arrested on local charges a day after he committed that murder. Now, I don't know if it was traced back to him yet. Probably wasn't. ICE put a detainer. It was ignored. 14 days later, April 11th, he's arrested again, booked in the South Correctional Entry Jail, and um, ICE lodged a detainer a day later. And again, he was released at unknown time in defiance of the detainer. A fourth time, on June 9th, he was arrested and booked on local charges. Um, two days later, ICE encountered him, lodged a detainer, and then six days later, he was released by King County Jail without notice to ICE. He, he was arrested, among others, on September 30th. ICE uh, lodged another detainer. Now, because it was murder and robbery, too, by the way. Whole bunch of new charges. So he's, he's being held on two million bail, finally. So he's unlikely to get out, and he's been there for about 10 days. But I'll tell you, even now, were ICE to lodge a detainer, they did lodge a detainer, they would still deny it. So that's, that's this case. This is a growing trend. Let me bring it closer to where I live. So as you well know, Maryland, my home state, is a cesspool for MS-13. We got it in Montgomery County near D.C. We got it in Baltimore County where we had that eight-person eight cell arrested for murder. Um, it was a rival attack on, Emmett, on uh, um, 18th Street Gang, which means that we have both of them here. So this is in between the two jurisdictions, Anne Arundel County. Four people, this is last week, four people have admitted to participating in two grisly murders in Anne Arundel County as part of MS-13. Um, and basically, you know, their ages were 21, 20, 20, and 24. I've confirmed they are all here illegally. Um, and given their ages, they were likely resettled. I don't have that confirmed, but it doesn't take a genius to see that they were resettled um, as UACs. And they found a guy, this, this stems from a 2017 murder where they found someone buried in a secret grave. Um, and, and this really shook me up because those of you from Annapolis or you know who are from Maryland, Central Maryland, will appreciate this again very scary that um they used the girl suspect to lure the person to the a park where was he lured he was lured to quiet waters park that was a nice park we always go there as a family i mean this is really scary the fact that we're importing this stuff um and killed the person in a wooden area off the park and uh, they basically say that this is part of a broader cell where um, several dozen people are part of this. How much more of this do we have in our communities that we don't even know? This, this, um, there's a gruesomeness. And it's happening everywhere. Now, we could dismiss this that, oh, it's, it's mainly gang-on-gang -gang violence, but do we really want America to become like Mexico and El Salvador? 
Well, it starts out that way, but then nobody could live there. And obviously, as we report every day, and we'll have some today as well, you know, it it affects everyone and, and they kill other people and, and maim other people too. But um, this is what we have. And by the way, the interesting thing when I bring up these things, what they're actually pleading guilty, so they're pleading guilty in connection with the things, but 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 the charges are racketeering. This is a federal racketeering case. So going back to jailbreak, when all these losers say, oh, Daniel, there's too many people in federal prison for stupid reasons. So many of the MS-13 people we catch, they're not even hit often, especially the accomplices who are the most violent human beings alive on murder charges. They're hit on racketeering or drugs. And indeed, they were involved in drugs, too. Which leads me to the next thing. I want you to read. I, I want to read this article for you out of um, the Ohio Blade. What is it called? The Toledo Blade. Um, very, very important article here. Federal agents recently pulled more than 21 pounds of suspected powerful illegal opioid off the streets in what's believed to be one of the largest fentanyl seizures ever in the Toledo area. The seizure and the subsequent arrest of Robert Escobar, 49, also marks the third time in recent weeks that federal prosecutors have filed criminal charges in large-scale drug trafficking cases that investigators say tie back to the Mexican drug cartels. And basically, they quote the U.S. attorney, Justin Herdman, Mexican cartel activity in Ohio is very high. It's a significant threat to us across the whole state. It's not just Toledo. It's every mid-sized city, small town, and big city. Every city has connections back to the Mexican cartels. Okay? Every city has connections back to the Mexican cartels. Um, this, is, this is a big deal. It's nothing new to you guys. But he says, that's where our drugs are coming from. They're not being manufactured here in the United States. The way they get here is through the networks that the cartels run. Everyone's talking about Ohio and opioids and going after uh, manufacturers and, and uh, you know, the pharmaceutical companies. It's all an immigration problem. If they're not coming in between ports of entry through the border and they're coming in trucks, but the, the networks are largely criminal alien networks that if we didn't have sanctuaries, if we didn't have these border loopholes, if we didn't have the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of these kids, Teens from Central America resettled here to serve as the runners and the, and the distributors. Um, and because, again, wherever you have the gangs, you have the drug trafficking because they contract for the cartels. They're the retail level uh, distributors for the cartels. MS-13, 18th Street, Locos 13, all these groups, uh, Latin Kings. You know, this is the issue. It is all a criminal alien problem. It's an external problem. It's a border problem. Yes, a certain level of drugs we're always going to have, but this degree of lethality, this ubiquitous for this cheap, it's because they have these undetected networks in this country where they could easily be broken up if we merely enforced our immigration laws. I'm not asking that we have a new expensive war on drugs. 
I'm saying merely enforce our sovereignty and have interior enforcement and then come back to me about the level of the drug crisis. But we are bringing the cartel, transnational gang culture, and the violence and drugs inherent with it into every corner. And that's the thing. We have a lot of violence in, in, you know, without immigration. We talk about that all the time on this program. You kind of, let's just say, know where to stay away from it. When it comes to illegal immigration, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. No place is safe. Unbelievable. Truly is unbelievable. And by the way, just really hoarse here, getting a cold. Um, I noted two weeks ago, we had this case out of in Indianapolis where this illegal alien, I still don't know the details. Police are being very mum on it, but I do know he's illegal. I found that out exclusively here killed someone on I-70. I mean, probably going 75 miles an hour, shot a guy headshot in a car. That's Mexico-style type of murder that we rarely had in this country. But speaking of this stuff happening everywhere, do you know, I didn't know this, maybe you guys knew this, some of our listeners from Oklahoma, you know how we always say there's no such thing as a red state? Well, guess what? Oklahoma City, evidently, is a sanctuary. It's gotten so bad that Oklahoma City is a sanctuary. Now, why the state government, which is run by Republicans, remember, Trump and Romney, the last number of elections, Republicans have won every single county in Oklahoma. Yet somehow, I'm told that the last couple of months, they became a sanctuary. ICE arrests Salvadoran alien charged with rape who went to victim's house immediately after Oklahoma County Sheriff's Office failed to honor ICE detainer. Basically, um, ICE arrested Antonio Ulysses Perez, a 38-year-old illegal alien from El Salvador, charged with first-degree rape after the Oklahoma County Sheriff's Office failed to honor a detainer and released him from custody. Almost immediately following his release from the Oklahoma County Jail, October 9th, Ulysses Perez, this is a brand new case, went to the home of the woman he is alleged to have raped. Um, and uh, basically, ICE lodged a detainer with, with uh, the Sheriff's Department October 8th. This was just two days ago, requesting that they transfer custody of Perez. Um... It doesn't say what he was initially arrested on then. They refused. They let him go. And um, that's it. That's it. He went out and, 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 and raped. Oh, whoops. It turns out on September 30th, he was arrested and charged with first-degree rape. He was arrested and charged with first-degree rape. So that means that eight days later, ICE lodged a detainer. On October 9th, approximately at 3 a.m., the active detainer was not honored, and the Oklahoma City Sheriff's Office released Ulysses Perez on bond from the Oklahoma County Jail. And um, 
ICE deportation officers arrested Ulysses Perez in Oklahoma City. He remains in custody pending disposition of his, of his immigration proceedings. <laughs> Oklahoma City? Now doesn't honor ICE detainers? I just, I don't know what to say. This is utterly insane. Utterly insane. But that's what we got here. By the way, by the way, just so you know, talk about avoidable crimes. Um, you know how, I'm trying to find this here, the email I got, but we talk about Billy Chemmer. He is the Kenyan um, who was originally illegal, wound up finagling himself into legal status, is accused of smothering 19 seniors in the Dallas area, um, you know, with, with nothing more than a pillow. So this is just, I don't know what to say. It's just out of control. Um trying to find this here so remember how we were saying that there were two issues there number one he should never have gotten a um he should never have gotten you know this visa from this sham marriage he had where he was able to uh um cleanse his status but then even after he got a green card which he shouldn't have gotten he had multiple DUIs. He had domestic violence. It turns out I missed stuff on my reporting on that. He had even worse convictions. So there actually is an ICE detainer placed on him. Now, normally ICE doesn't place a detainer on someone until after a conviction. And right now with the 17, the 19 murders, it's just a charge. It's There's a trial. He has been convicted um, for an LPR. Someone who has a green card, you have to um, convict them. But they placed a detainer, I believe, because of the prior convictions. So do you know that 19 lives could have been saved? At least 19. It's very likely it was more than that uh, once the investigation will be completed. Had he been deported? Why wasn't he? I don't know if it was the feds or the locals, but I mean, th th this is the thing. This is so totally avoidable. Let me, let, me, let me read you some more cases. Now, this doesn't necessarily show that they're sanctuaries, but again, I just want to show you this is not just happening in blue areas. This is Greenville, um, uh, Greenville, um, South Carolina, which is our where where our southern office is located. Greenville police say Wednesday they have arrested a man accused of sexually assaulting a woman inside her apartment for hours in front of the victim's baby. The sexual assault happened early uh, Monday morning at an apartment on v Villa Road. Police said Oriel Romero Gonzalez, 24, entered the 20-year-old's victim's home via her balcony door while she slept. Romero Gonzalez's face was partially hidden by a mask, and he was wearing plastic sandwich bags on his hands. Police say the suspect is accused of sexually assaulting the woman over the course of two hours after threatening the woman and her baby with a knife. Um... Basically, he was placed in the Department of Homeland Security's custody. And he was charged with criminal sexual conduct, first degree, possessing a weapon during a violent crime, 
kidnapping, and burglary. This is what we're importing. And normally with the rapes, I note that they're mainly illegal aliens. From the story here, it sounds like it could have been anyone, the victim. Not that it makes it better if the victim is themselves illegal. I'm just saying that this could be anyone. One more case I want to read to you. Amelia Man arrested for first-degree rape. This is in Louisiana. The St. Mary Parish's, uh, Parish Sheriff's Office has arrested one man after a rape investigation. Sheriff Blaze Smith announced on Tuesday that Martin Humberto Montes Dimas, 36, of Amelia, was arrested earlier the same morning on a warrant for first-degree rape. Detectives with uh, the Investigations Division, with the assistance of the U.S. Border Patrol, made contact with Montes Dimas during an active investigation of the rape of a female juvenile who was under 13 at the time of the incident. Um, basically, uh, Chief Gregory Bovino of the U.S. Border Patrol's office in New Orleans said, quote, the St. Mary's Parish's Sheriff's Office, through diligent, focused law enforcement action, took an illegal alien child predator off the street. Um, great job by that office. I cannot stress enough that what happens on the border will ultimately affect communities across the entire country. The alleged rape of a child is heartbreaking, but it's all the worst when committed by an illegal alien with a significant criminal history who should never have been here in the first place. Again, I didn't check up his criminal history. <sighs> okay. L l let me just note something on a, on a, on a personal level um, before we go on. Why well, I'm just a little bit rattled by this. So, again, with public policy, we know as conservatives, you got to think logically. You can't think with emotion. Not everything, every bad thing and murder and mayhem and death that goes on is redressable through a political public policy solution. There's a lot of things we can't do. That's why we have our respective religious beliefs and God runs the world in a certain way. We're only going to understand it. Um, you know, in the next world, uh, you know, as it says in Isaiah, what is it? 54, 56 towards the end there. Um, like like the height and distance of the of the sky from the earth, so is the distance of my ways from your ways. Um, you know, we're not going to understand why there's there's a lot of tragedy. But what we are supposed to do is do justice. God has reasons why he wants people killed or murdered or dying, but we also have our job to do justice, and we can't stop every you know tragic death or murder. But people that have massive rap sheets or people or illegal aliens or often both illegal aliens with massive rap sheets, how in the world is the system not working? And why isn't there an endless drumbeat from Republicans in Congress to hit the Democrats over the head with one floor vote in the Senate after another addressing these issues? And, 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 and what I'm driving at is, you know, we had a very... Um, very tragic situation in our community um, late last night that I'm still really rattled by. I still have to almost pinch myself to to just realize uh, this is not a dream. And, and I'm, you know, it's why I'm, I'm not really in my element today. I'm just very out of it. Um, basically, you know, I go, go to services with this family, been friends for 20 years. Um, they're a little older than me. They're in their 50s. Uh, he sits right behind me, uh, you know, so yesterday we were at services, the 
you know, holy services at night. Um, at the conclusion, I go to my car, drive home. I live about a mile away. This guy lives right, right, you know, behind there, behind the street. So he walks and his wife was with him. And by the time I get to my home, which is a mile away, I just hear a bunch of sirens. At the time, I didn't know what it was, but in retrospect, it was, it was him. Um, basically, his wife was hit by a car right in front of their home, right there, and it's, it's, a, it's a side street. Um, I don't, we don't know any of the details. Um, we're almost positive it wasn't drunk driving. It wasn't an illegal alien. I'm not, that's not the point here. Um, but, you know, I just bring it up just because terrible, terrible tragedies happen. You know, she's dead out of nowhere. And I just, I still can't believe it. Um, you know, in a couple hours, I'm going to the funeral. And, you know, th these are the vexing things we, we each struggle with, with our respective religions, you know, why God does certain things. Um, and, you know, it just underscores what we always say is that cars are one of the most underappreciated weapons of mass destruction. I mean, you know, it's, it's a reality of our life. We rely on cars, but they're, you know, several thousand pounds of steel. And a lot of people get killed from that. And, you know, there's, there's a limit to what, what we can do. And I, I don't know if this case, I, I don't, you know, I don't know the details. Um, sometimes it's the pedestrian's fault. Sometimes it's the driver. Sometimes it's really nobody's fault. It's just very unfortunate. But none of the cases we spoke about today with illegal aliens were driving. But what we noted is throughout the last number of weeks, from all the Department of Transportation reports I've read to you, National Highway Safety Commission, on how illegal aliens have such a high propensity for driving incidents and drunk driving. And, you know, again, driving deaths are the worst because, you know, the victim and the victim's family, it just one minute they're there, the next minute they're done. It's not like someone who dies of cancer where you have some closure to a certain extent and, you know, you, you watch them go. It's just like, and, and it could, you know, usually if someone has a illness, they're a little older, um, die of natural causes, whatever car accidents take every, anyone at all ages like that. One minute they're there next minute they are, they're gone. And, you know, public policy wise, you know, what, what, what we can't do is say, Oh, we're going to ban cars. You know, that, that would be like what liberals do with guns. But what we can do is say, look, drunk driving and, and, Again, this case wasn't, but I'm just saying because you have so many terrible tragedies that you can't redress through a political solution, certainly the low-hanging fruit when you have a gratuitous imported illegal population that particularly has a high propensity for using cars in a very dangerous way, often through drunk driving or driving with drugs, that is very redressable. So at least we could solve that part of the equation. And um, that, that's our job, those of us who work in public policy, to say, hey, what is a solution? What, what is something we can do? And going back to the beginning of the show, I can't solve serious issues. But I could solve our border. What is happening at our border, we don't realize, we don't realize this, it affects everywhere. There's certain areas that are more notorious for illegal aliens, but they're really everywhere. They're in pretty much every single county in the country. 
and we have careless people that run across an international border. Yes, they will largely do a lot of other dangerous and violent things. And it just, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I'm just out of my element, um, just, just a real shocker losing a friend out of nowhere. Um, but it puts kind of a human face on all the cases. I, I read to you every day, so many people killed by illegal alien drunk drivers, um, you know, losing someone suddenly in a, in a, to, to a driving accident is, is devastating. It's, it's as bad as it gets. But, you know, certainly when we have illegal aliens that are just on the road and there are so many ways we could catch them and throw them out and we don't. I don't know why this is not a bigger issue. I just, I just don't understand it. <sighs> I left a lot more on the table, but I hope at least this presentation was you know, somewhat helpful. And look, <laughs> I know a lot of you guys are sending me more cases. I don't even have time to do this. If I just wanted to focus on this issue, I'd have enough content for, from now until the end of time. This is just a smattering of what I've seen. Just the last few hours, what I've seen in the news. And yet there's, there's not a single Republican. Whenever there's a mass shooting, so... You know, you got Pelosi, you got Schumer out there holding press conferences. Here's what we're doing. Here's the legislation. But whenever you have illegals doing stuff when they could have been deported, you have sanctuary cities thwarting them. You have this unaccompanied minor program where we're resettling gang members, killing people. There, there's nobody. At best, the ICE director will hold a press conference as he did today. I think he spoke about the Oklahoma case, Matt Albans. But where are the elected Republican leaders? I, I just don't understand it. This is one of the biggest problems. It's one of the most avoidable problems, and it's external. It cuts to the core of why we have a federal government. It's to protect us. It's not to say we don't have internal problems, but it's the external problems that, that basically invade all of our neighborhoods that are the most redressable, they're the most avoidable. And on behalf of those issues is why we created a federal government. If we're not going to have a federal government clamping down on this, then I don't know why we have one. We don't need a federal government to destroy healthcare, to get involved in agriculture, to get involved in, in, in emission standards. So anyway... These are just our latest cases. But yeah, I mean, I am very behind on a lot of other news. So I know you guys are sending me questions on other issues. I'm, I'm trying, trying to catch up. Um, I'm just, I just have a funny schedule. These couple of weeks are going to be gone on Monday and Tuesday again. I will try to throw in an extra show so, so we don't lose out here um, too much time. Um, but man, yeah, I am just, I'm just devastated from that personal loss. Um, and again, it just, just underscores the need to at least avoid the deaths that need not happen as a result of people that should have been either not in the country or should have been, you know, the recipient of swift justice, which is what God wants us to do. Um, God's got a, uh, the phone number of everyone. If, if it's their time to move on, it's their time to move on. But, you know, as, as we say at the end of Deuteronomy, 
what is hidden is to God, but what is revealed is to us um, and our children, um, you know, to fulfill God's word. And what's out in the open, we got we to gotta deal with. We got to deter. We got to punish. And, and that's not happening. And, and, and needless to say, there's tons more jail, jailbreak cases. We, we have, I, I obviously reported uh, on Tuesday about the first known murderer to be, have been released and gone to commit murder as a result of that wretched First Step Act. I can't find a single national outlet that has reported on that yet. You can't redress something through politics that you don't know about, and you can't know about something that's not reported. At its core, that's why we are here. That's our commitment, but I can't do it without you. You guys have been such a help. I can't tell you how many stories um, I've gotten from you guys, and w- which, by the way, reminds me, one other thing I just want to note about importing foreign problems. You know, I can't fix Syria and Somalia, but I can make sure I don't import the problems to our country um, our, uh, and you know who you are. I know you don't want to be mentioned, but one of our listeners who I'll just call her my, uh, Minnesota correspondent, <laughs> um, just been sending me a lot of stuff from, uh, little Mogadishu in Minneapolis. And I think this is, this is just really important. Uh, there was another just retaliation, murder, gang murder. And basically a hen- a hen- th- th- this is, um, just the article here. From Alpha News, a Hennepin County criminal complaint detailing the March 1st murder of a Somali teenager links several other Somali-involved shootings and paints a picture of seemingly unchecked gang retaliation and violence in the Twin Cities Somali community. Quote, in 2009, NPR uh, News reported on the growing violence and gang formation within the Somali immigrant community and that police had identified a disturbing trend. What's the trend? Somali gangs were beginning to divide themselves across the same clan lines that destroyed their homeland. Boom. That's like a gut punch. We are importing the same violence. It's not like, oh, this guy happens to be a criminal and he's an illegal. No, it's the same group violence, whether it's Mexico, whether it's El Salvador, whether it's Somalia, whether it's Syria. Look, I don't know what it's going to take. Maybe we need to just call our border Syria and the media and the politicians, including Republicans, will finally take us seriously. But we matter. Our communities come first. I'm sick of hearing, like, there's one thing if you want to divert a little bit of attention to the Kurds. And again, that's more complicated than people are making out to be. Maybe we should just call Americans Kurds and then we'll be in business. Thanks for listening. God bless you all. Till tomorrow. This has been another episode of the Conservative Review Podcast.